Hello, 80s kingpins and anchormen coming to you from Burbank, California. This is a bonus episode of the Film vs. Film podcast. I am your host, Quinn Boys. I have seen over two dozen movies in my life. Big for me, just cracked the two dozen mark. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host and film aficionado, Leonard Smith Jr. What's up, Leonard? Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Leonard Smith Jr. Uh, yeah, we got a bonus episode today. We uh, This was a prompt that we thought we were going to do during the season, but it, it somehow slipped away from us. Mm-hmm. And it was season three, so we decided to do Best Trio Movie. Best Is Trio Movie, which you had to explain to me like a couple times because I, I was getting too much in my head. I thought you meant like Best Trilogy and then like yeah. which part of a trilogy, but explain to the people and me one more time what Best Trio so Movie means. Best Leonard. Trio Movie would be like a movie that I thought maybe Quinn would have picked. Like The Three Amigos, you know? Steve Never seen Martin, it. You've never seen Three Amigos? No. Is that weird? Well, I feel like that's right up your alley. I guess so. I don't love Chevy Chase, but I do love Steve Martin, and I like I like Martin Short a lot, too. So yeah, two out of three. Like Martin Short. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, never seen that's it. surprising. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or like the Big Lebowski, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, three Amigos is probably the best representation because it's the Three Amigos. Um, so just a movie where three, you know, three co-stars are headlining the film. You could even say maybe Harry Potter or like... Harry you know, Potter Star was one I, I thought about for a minute. It, and I would have been very upset if you made me watch my first Harry Potter film on a bonus episode. You've never seen a Harry Potter movie? I've never seen a single Harry Potter movie. How have we gone through three seasons of this podcast and I and, and, I and told a, you that. a few years of friendship and I did not know that you've never seen a Harry Potter movie? I honestly am saving it for when hopefully if this podcast or my stand-up comedy career takes off, I'm going to save it for... A podcast, like just like a a, a series of just <laughs> not movies. our podcast. You're gonna not save our podcast. It for some other podcast. <laughs> Another podcast of me experiencing Harry Potter for the first time. Talking about <laughs> that it. is worthy of its own of its own podcast. Is just you watching. I want you to. I take it. Have you read the books? No. Wow. So, I was a cynical child. I was, I, we're not here to talk about this today, but now I just have a whole bunch of like pop culture turn. Like like, do you know what a Muggle is? <laughs> Is that a human? M U G G L E. It's it is, a human being, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, a designation person. of yeah. Okay, all right. So you you know some Listen, things because you grew yeah. up in the time when it was. A, I the like biggest to have sex the with women. They all love Harry Potter, so I know these things. No, I'm joking. You're Everyone using loves Harry to get Potter. Laid? Is that what you're no, saying? I'm not using it to get laid. I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. I just see um, Leonard at the bars wearing a big fucking Gryffindor scarf and and, and all right. So I know Gryffindor is like Harry Potter's. Signia or whatever the fuck. It's a it's a house. It's a it's a house. A, uh, yeah, and he's and that's like the good one. Mm-hmm. And I know Slytherin is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one more, isn't there? There's two more. Uh, <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Gryffindor, Ravenclaw. Yeah, Ravenclaw, Slytherin. You're not gonna get this last one. Not for a million dollars. I don't know. Cla- Clayborn. <laughs> It's a scrumple dunk. Scrumple dunk? Yeah. <laughs> what? Gryffindor, well, Slytherin. How have I, if, how have I never heard that? And I would dunk. remember that. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. No Apparently one likes not. scrumple dunks because everyone, it's always, I thought there was only three. I literally have only seen the three. There's four houses and you really don't want to be in scrumple dunk. All the like lamos. That's why they named it that. Because scrumple it's, dunk. Exactly. Because it's for the lame kids. 
And some motherfuckers all think they Gryffindors when they or Slytherins when they really scrumple dunks. <laughs> Get your scrumple dunk ass up out of here, boy. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna start using that. Oh, scrumple dunk ass boy. Get your, your, your old scrumple dunk. Go go play some Quidditch, bitch. Right? Quidditch? Is that please, it? Please do. Please start using it. Put it out in the streets. I think you can scrumble get it. Scrumble dunk you can get ass. Get your old scrumble dunk ass. All right. Um, yeah, so we're doing best treatments. Uh, this Harry Potter conversation is to be continued in some way, shape, or form. But I, I guess I can't give you those movies. If you ever fucking lose a series, a season, I will, yeah. uh, I will have you to give you. Me. Yeah. Right. There's like eight of them or nine of them? There's eight films depicting seven, covering seven books. Uh, they got a little greedy and they split the last book into two movies. But um, I just like, I just knew what's her name was trash from the jump. Uh, JK? JK Rowling. JK Rowling. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were on that one. You had, you had, I hated the Cosby vision. show. I hated the Cosby show as a kid. Never watched it. Hmm. Yeah, I hated the Cosby show. So what you are putting forward is that you you can see like people who are beloved in their time but will become problematic years later. You can see that down the line. I so can if see anyone that, that you have that a bad feeling about is probably going to be canceled in the next fifteen exactly. to twenty years. And I mean most people are pretty shitty, so it's not it's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard of a thing to do. <laughs> That's true. You might <laughs> not be trying to find the good ones. You know, you might not be uh, omniscient, you might just be very picky. <laughs> you think most people are trash. <laughs> exactly. Okay, um, so best trio film. Talking about trash people, we got a, we got a, we got some trash people in these both these movies. Yes, we do. Uh, well, well, well segued. Uh, we we're, we're we're talking about films with. I interpreted this as like uh, three main characters, but I guess it could be like a main character and two sidekicks. Like any any movie that prominently features three people, and that that was like this was about as hard as I've thought of any prompt that we have had in the history oh, really? of the film versus film podcast, because I kept being like, it's not an obvious genre. Like if you were to tell me best, best gangster film, I would be worried that I was, wasn't thinking of some, but there are those, there are those movies that just come straight to the front of your mind. And the problem with this is I have to think like, okay, yeah, best true, you know, and you think about the Harry Potter, you think about the movies that obviously have like three kind of main people, but I was like, I'm going to forget one that definitely does. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes yeah. it's not. Sometimes is it an ensemble or does it have three people? Is Ocean's Eleven really 11 people or is it George Clooney, Matt Damon, and Brad Pitt? You know, you got to think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So well, I, I was right. Did you ever my brain. think about Ferris Bueller's Day's Ferris Bueller's I did Day think off? about Ferris Bueller's Day. If you know why I didn't pick it, and the same reason I didn't pick Harry Potter, other than I probably wouldn't have picked it anyway, but is because the title is it's not Ferris, Cameron, and. Yeah. Uh, Oh man, what's his girlfriend's name in that movie? That is it. Okay, but there's my point, I guess, right? Like, yeah, it, it, that was like, I feel like Matthew Broderick is the star, and then he's got like the two sidekicks. Now, I, that doesn't mean picking that movie would be wrong. I just think my own, like that. I can see you worrying about that argument if yeah. this was like, if this was a week episode? that mattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is why it, I had no thought about this with mine. I knew instantly what I was picking because I couldn't pick this movie for any other any other prompt we would ever do. Like normally, if this was like a real episode, I would have chosen like Harlem Nights. Yes, Harlem Nights, which was like the the genesis of this podcast was you. It was isn't Harlem Nights the movie that no white people have seen, or is it? Some yes, other? that's the one. And you Princess still have Bride, not given it to white, me, so and I still, still haven't have given seen it. it. So it's gonna happen. 
You see, yes, you still haven't seen it. Uh, if it wasn't a bonus episode, I would have chosen that. But I'm saving that for episode, my my spinoff podcast. By the way, it's, <laughs> I'm going to watch Harlem Nights. <laughs> it's a one episode podcast. And um, <laughs> I've been really wanting to use it, and I've kicked myself for a couple times for not using it. But I hopefully will use it next season. Also, neither one of us has picked the Big Lebowski, which also could have been a trio film. Um, even though that is hard, you know, the argument's about Lebowski, about the dude. No one calls him Lebowski. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I picked this movie because I love this movie. It's not necessarily the best movie, but I've seen it so many times. It's just a hood classic. And uh, I feel like this kind of represents the whole Harlem Night Princess Bride thing of our choices because they are so different. Mm. So, so different. Yes, this and is I, a weird week. This is a weird double feature this week. I chose the film Paid in Full. Okay, so uh, if you guys don't know about the movie Paid in Full, it is a trio movie starring Mackay Pfeiffer, rapper Cameron, and the amazing actor Ed Harris. Uh, let me look up the information on who directed it because I just had looked it up. Okay, yeah, Paid in Full is... Uh, I'm doing a really bad job right now. That's all right. It's a bonus episode. <laughs> How did you feel about my choice? Had you ever heard of this movie, or uh, I had uh, I had never heard of this movie. <laughs> no, I in like 2002 I was Wood I Harris. Was, Wood Harris. I said Ed Harris. I believe Wood Harris. Oh, yeah, Wood Ed Harris. Harris and Wood Harris are two very different people. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I I am very familiar with uh, you know some of the talent in this movie. Like I remember when Mackay Pfeiffer was hot. You know what I mean? Like I remember. Yes. Wood Harris, this was around the time. I did not watch The Wire when it was airing. I'm not even going to pretend. But this was around that time, so it makes sense that he was, you know, and also he, Wood, Wood Harris is also in, like, Remember the Titans and stuff, right? Like, he was, this, I feel like, also was oh, his. Wood Harris is an amazing actor. He's really good. Yeah, no no doubt. But I guess, I mean, like, this was also kind of his heyday, you know, early 2000s, yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, he's still, I just saw him in Space Jam. He's still yeah, making he was in movies. Space Jam. I haven't um, seen Space Jam, but I saw that he was in. I was he like, is Duh. in it. He's in it for a minute. He plays but, the father um, figure or whatever. The he's uh, the coach that takes LeBron's Game Boy away. But anyway, <laughs> he tells him, you got to focus on basketball. <laughs> but uh, as if LeBron needed to be told to focus on basketball. But um, He did. I guess he probably did at some point. But uh, so, so the point is, like, yes, I remember, like, this. I, you know, we've talked about this before. There are, you know, if you grew up uh, – in the in the the lily white suburbs of New Jersey, as I did, the advertisements for Paid in Full were probably not getting to my local Nickelodeon <laughs> station at that time. So I was this movie came and went without me being really ever that aware of it. I was also only eleven when it came out, so I think it would have been. I was a few years away from this movie anyway. Yes, but uh, but you were right in the this this was like prime movie for you. I take it. Did you see it in theaters or did it come to you uh, word of mouth after the fact? Oh, no, I did not see this as when it came out. I was probably still too young to have access to it. I mean, maybe not too young. I was like 16, I think, 15. But um, I think it was only, I don't even think it was in theaters long enough. It made $3.1 million in the theaters. Um, Produced by Rockefeller Records, Dame Dash, and Jay-Z. Miramax, I guess, bought it or had something to do with it. Maybe maybe during the production or afterward. Um, I think it was released through Miramax. But, uh... I saw it for sure, like, at first, maybe on BET or some shit, and then, like, eventually got the DVD, and I, it's just, like, one of those movies that came on BET all the time, and then I've just seen, I've seen this movie a dozen times, 15 times, so it's just a classic. 
I, I think it's a great story. It's not. I don't know. It's a true story. If it's the too. best film. It, yeah, it's a true story. Uh, I didn't rewatch it this week because I've seen it so many times and I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. But um, I when, I know the movie like the back of my hand. I could narrate the whole thing. Um, so it's just a short, quick movie to watch. I always get upset <laughs> and uh, money making Mitch. You know, it's a uh, it's a story of a. Uh, I'll let you tell what you thought about it, and then I'll talk about broadcast news. So yeah, talk about the movie. We'll talk about your pick first. Uh, so I had not seen this movie, as I mentioned. Um, it is a familiar, um, like you could go all the way back to, like Scarface, the the Pacino movie, which is referenced directly in this movie. You could even go further back to like the the original gangster Scarface from like the 1930s. Like it's it's that kind of very. Uh, common um cautionary tale it takes place in harlem in 1986 i think uh reading a little bit about the real events uh it sort of was sort of spanned the 80s but it's about uh kind of on the straight and narrow uh he works at a dry cleaner he's trying to do right his name is ace played by wood harris he's i would say he's the main character and it's about him kind of hustling for a you know, mediocre life. Like he can't provide for the people he loves. He's in love with his, his best friend, Mitch's sister, but like, he doesn't really have a lot going on. And then Mitch played by Mackay Pfeiffer goes away for a little while. Uh, Ace kind of gets, uh, by happenstance, he's dry cleaning a guy's pants and some crack rock falls out. <laughs> but A big uh, ass ball of cocaine. Yeah. It's like, a, like, it's like a lot. It's like an ounce of cocaine. He just leaves it in his pants and he brings it back to the guy and the guy's like, hey, if you find it in the pants, it's yours, man. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a real interesting way to try to get, like, people su- yeah. supply. It did seem orchestrated. It was weird. Uh, but... Yeah, so he winds up kind of getting involved himself, um, and then as tends to happen, uh, he gets way in over his head. Uh, Mitch comes out of prison. He's got with him this kind of wild card played by Cameron, which actually it took me – I'm not that familiar with uh, with with Cameron, or at least early what? 2000s. I did not recognize him as Cameron right away okay. is all, I guess what I'm saying. So. Okay. Uh, I have heard Cameron usually featured on other artists' songs. Like I, I wasn't, I don't have like a lot of Cameron, so I it, I did not realize that's who it was until, like you, you ain't rocking with the Dipset. I I got nothing against the, the more I talk about Cameron, the more I'm exposing myself. But, but yeah, no, I, I, like half of the movie, I'm like this is somebody because it, it's he's he plays Rico. He plays kind of the muscle that Mitch meets in prison. He ingratiates himself to Mitch by helping him shiv a couple guys in a uh, cafeteria fight. <laughs> and so then yeah. they get out of jail, and they are the kind of the trio that Leonard's talking about. And Rico is that friend that everybody has, whether you're a drug dealer or you just hang around and play video games and, 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 and you don't do anything. Rico's that guy who's, like, too wild, and you, you're sort of, like, wary of him. Like, Rico, yes. in the film, is bringing um, a sex tape that he's, like, playing for everybody at the club just so that they can all watch and comment on his form. Like, and Yeah, uh, he's he's that one friend you don't want to bring your uh, – you don't want to bring him around your other friends. Like, yeah. Oh, I don't want people to know I hang out with this guy. And he's he's uh, he's the wild card, for sure, of he's the, the wild trio. Card. Um, but you forgot to mention, while Mitch, his friend Mitch – is a drug dealer and he's killing the game. Yes. He goes to jail. And while he's in jail, Ace is like, I'm never, I don't want to have anything to do with it. When he finds the crack rock, he starts selling and then it takes off. Like he's doing really well the entire time Mitch is in jail. Yeah. So when Mitch and Rico come out, he's kind of running. He, he kind of fills the power vacuum that Mitch leaves behind and a movie. And, and, and exceeds his, his, uh, 
where he was where he was at. For sure. And the movie could have made well, and, and again, it's based on a true story, so it happens like it happens. But it's kind of a refreshing. I get like uh, a version of that story would have been like Mitch gets out of prison and he goes, "Oh, you took over my spot. Now we are, now we're beefing." But instead, it's like they have a real brothership uh, brotherhood. And uh, they just share the wealth, basically. I mean, Ace yeah. is, I guess, the newly established number one, but Mitch doesn't have a problem kind of slotting right in next to him. And Rico is is sort of their muscle, and Rico is also their downfall. So this movie, you He's know, power hungry. Yeah, and this movie, um, you know, this prompt doesn't. We're not really going to be arguing about your pick versus. We might be talking about the differences in our movies, but like, there's no reason we're not taking down one movie to talk about the other. No one's trying to win here. But I would say, like, if we were. You picked a spot on movie because the, the the relationship of the three of them and how uh, Rico kind of like poisons the well, um, it definitely makes this a movie about the three of them, even though I would say it's mostly uh, Mitch's or I'm sorry, it's mostly Ace. Ace's movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, uh, you know, the, like, I, I guess we could go through the rest of the plot. But as, as but no, no, we'll talk happens, about like the downfall comes, uh, people exactly. get people get killed, people get shot in the head and somehow live. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of wild shit going. But I, I enjoyed it. I, it's funny because you said it was short. It is short. And I feel like if I had a complaint about this movie, it's that I could have. I'm I'm very rarely in the age of like Avengers movies being three hours. I'm very rarely like. Give me more of a movie. I like a movie that's like a crisp 90 minutes. You can just watch it and go away. Weirdly, I thought this movie would have been aided by like 30 minutes with you. You could like flesh out a little bit of like the rise and fall a little bit more because I yes. feel like the end of that movie yeah. comes quick. And there are it scenes um, that I wish had been dragged out. Like, like you know, spoilers for both of these movies, of course. Uh, if you've seen them, uh, if you if you care to see them, you can see them and watch. But if not, Mitch... Mitch gets got, and uh, I kind of wish that that was built up a little bit more and a little bit more dramatic. And so there's Dude. scenes like that where I think you could put. Time I back cry in. every time that happens, man. Every time, man. He's just trying to save his, his nephew, it's man. Just, yeah. Oh, and his nephew too. Like, not only yeah. does he get killed, he does not save his nephew who is and tortured. His nephew gets yeah. get killed. He gets tortured and killed. It's fucked up. It's bad. It's it's. Yeah, they could have fleshed out the like rise or the process of the the rise to power or them being in power together, and they could have fleshed out the the falling when the the plug gets killed and then, then he gets net. They could have, that happened very, it was very abrupt how like all of a sudden it was like, Oh, Rico's an issue. Oh shit. His nephew's been kidnapped. Just like, wait, what? <laughs> just like super. And his nephew gets kidnapped like right after, um, right after ACE gets like shot and like left for dead and, and somehow he survives. But his like aunt and is that his mother? I, I, I admit, I don't know. There are two women, who are in his apartment who just get killed, oh, like yeah, executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that that happens before that. Yeah. And then he's like literally at the hospital. He's got like a big old bandage on his forehead, like right on his forehead. It doesn't look like a bullet skimmed him. It looks like he got yeah. shot in the forehead above the eye and, and they like, just put a big gauze plug. patch on it. And they're like, you're lucky to be alive. And it's like, how? How is he alive? Because he's All not right, just listen, alive, like on a ventilator. Died. He's walking around. He's talking. Yeah. He's like, like, how has this happened? <laughs> Um, they're like he's like sitting there like half dead and they're like alright man where can we get these keys <laughs> we need the keys I wrote, I wrote it down at one point and, and so Rico played by Cameron if you is, don't know what keys are it's kilos of cocaine oh yes they, I did at certain points when they said keys think about like <laughs> keys to like a footlocker that has the drugs in it so <laughs> uh, this film is was produced by Rockefeller Films now uh, I think we're familiar with the, the label Rockefeller 
Um, I did not know they made movies, and maybe they didn't make that many movies, but they made this movie. Oh, they made movies. And apparently, AZ Faison, who is the person who wrote the original screenplay on whom Ace is based, he's like the he's like the real Ace uh, from the from the true story. He uh, had a problem with like them putting Cameron in this movie because he thought like they fleshed out that character so that they could just like Rockefeller could just promote their up and coming artist Cameron. And I was like, I could kind of see that a little bit. He gets some of the that. fun, more fun, flashier scenes. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I lost my own train of thought, Leonard. Help me out. Where was I going? Something about this. The movie moves. No, oh, I wrote it down. When 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 Ace gets out of the hospital, he's sitting there. He's got a bandage in his throat and he's got a bandage on his forehead. Um, uh, Cam, uh, Cameron's telling him like, "It's all good. I got the guy that did this to you," which was another thing I kind of w- they just showed in a flashback. But I kind of wish that had been maybe built up more a little bit, bit more too. Yeah. But he goes. He goes, so literally, he's just been shot. He's like on his futon in his apartment. He goes, all right, man, you're going to be good. We're going to get you some soup. Give him a thermometer. Get take, Check his temperature. It's like, this guy's gotten shot twice. We can give him chicken noodle soup. That's not going to I just help. love how you, yeah, it's just so funny how he clearly doesn't give a fuck about Ace No, yeah, that's the that's the takeaway. I just love how he expresses it. Like, get this guy some soup. <laughs> He'll be good. You know what I'm saying? Check his temperature. Check his at? temperature in the hole in his head from a bullet that just went through. We don't even. There's no exit wound on that bullet, by the way. Is it just oh. in his skull? Oh man. Oh. Okay. <laughs> We've talked about <laughs> Faded Fool. We haven't even talked about your film or even named it, and I was very shocked by your choice. I, I was a little surprised myself. <laughs> <laughs> was, I had never heard of this film. Somehow, whatever happened to? Well, I'm not gonna. All right, so what was your what was your film, uh, Quinn? I gave you so your film takes place in the eighties and it's about uh, drug drug kingpins in, in Harlem and all the follies that ensue. My film also takes place in the eighties. Yours was made in two thousand two, depicting the eighties. Mine is from nineteen eighty seven. I am talking about the James L. Brooks rom com classic Broadcast News, starring uh, William Hurt, Holly Hunter. And Albert Brooks. Those are our three main characters. They are playing Tom, Jane, and Aaron. And it's basically just about you know, it's Leonard. It's a different kind of hustle. All right, it's about get, <laughs> it's about getting that anchor position, producing the news, and uh, it's uh, I I don't know. This is a James L. Brooks makes very specific kind of like slice of life uh, comedies, and so this is a. It's all about the dialogue. I it's feel like. all about the dialogue. I think it's all about. Holly Hunter's performance. She definitely, in the same oh, way that like yeah. Ace is actually the main character of Paid in Full, uh, this is uh, oh, Jane Hunter. Craig's movie. This is Holly Hunter's yeah, movie. Yeah, 100%. And you know, why I, you know why I picked it, to be totally honest? I, now, I love this movie. I think it's a great movie. I don't know that I would have picked it for like many other prompts, but when you said trio movies and I was racking my brain, I thought to the first... How like how this movie begins and how it sets up the dynamic of the three leads. It shows yeah. shows uh, Jane, Tom, and Aaron all as kids, and it shows them kind of having that same kind of lifestyle that they will grow up to have as adults. And I love that. I specifically love the yeah uh, the William Hurt kind of against type because I feel like he usually plays like hard asses or like yeah, he usually plays a villain or mean like fathers guy. or yeah yeah but in this one it's 1987 so he's still young and you know he's still good looking so 
they have this whole thing about how he's a kid, like all the girls chase after him and how he's not very bright. Like the girls are, yeah. you know, but he tries hard, but he like, tries, he tries hard, hard, but he's not that and smart. And, and so, he beats himself up about it. Yeah. And like, yeah, people are like, they told me that I'd have to beat him off with a stick. Like he's like that good looking girls are throwing himself. First of all, I don't know if William Hurt, uh, is that good looking. Yeah. Guy. I don't know if he, uh, once we see him grown up, uh, fulfills the prophecy of being like, the, I mean, he's attractive, the world's he's attractive. sexiest man, but yeah, he's a good looking guy. Um, and so they couldn't get Harrison Ford. He was already doing working girl. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Honestly, this movie is probably the closest to working girl, which you submitted. And that was me going for you. Like, how did you see this? How is this a movie that's in Europe? <laughs> is this on your DVD shelf next to paid in full and all about the Benjamins <laughs> layers? Um, so yeah, so I don't know what, uh, so yeah, basically it's about Jane Craig. She's a producer. She's a woman in the kind of cutthroat world of broadcast. Well, you news. talked about yours, so I'll talk about Yeah, you talked, you talked about, about mine. So yes, so the movie <laughs> follows these three characters. Uh, I forgot the name of the characters. Uh, Craig, it's Aaron, Craig. Aaron, and then William Aaron Hurt plays Tom Grenick. Tom Grenick, Tom, yes. Tom, uh, uh, Aaron, and Jane. Uh, Tom, we've already talked about pretty but but dumb jane is just uh kind of like a, a know-it-all she just wants to she wants to uh it starts out with her like being like i have to uh finish typing up all these letters to my pen pals like she's worldly and like her dad like says something and she's just like comes down and is like very direct with her father about how she feels and how he's doing whatever he's parenting wrong yeah and then like kisses him and then goes back up. she's like a lisa simpson type like as a kid yes yeah it's crazy. It was really crazy watching this because I don't know if you watched Mr. Mayor, but uh, no, she's on Mr. Mayor. She literally is like playing this character. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. like, yeah, she's so funny on it. She's great on it. Uh, but um, and then we meet Aaron, who's like graduating valedictorian from his high school at 15 years old. And is at his commencement speech. He's like just talking the shit about his class and how nobody liked him uh-huh. and how that was going to change. And then he gets beat up afterward. And he's like, none of you guys are ever going to make money and I'm going to have a great life. And we go on later to to see them. And Tom is meeting Jane and she doesn't realize that he has been hired at her station. And he's like very honest with her about like how he's lucked into this job and he doesn't know shit about anything and he's not smart. And she was just like, well, fucking do something about it. And then he tells her that they're working together. She's basically like, you're dumb. It's sorry, but do something about it. And he's like, well, that's great. Just want to let you know we're working together. And there was like, you know, she gives this speech about how, okay, that's a major part of the storyline is it starts with her giving the speech to all of like her colleagues about, which is, man, the foresight. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. About the, how, the movie is very prescient. That was part of also why I gave it to you. But yeah, keep going. Sorry. What was the word you just said? Prescient. Prescient. Like Ooh, it, the movie mean? could see the future. Like it, it, okay. it, it was, it was before it's time and it was spot on about the points it was making. It was so spot on about the points it was making about how news was turning into entertainment and she had an issue with that and how it should all be about the story and the anchors and the reporters should not be celebrities and we shouldn't be talking, we shouldn't be covering these this sensationalist bullshit. stories yeah, and stuff sensationalist yeah, for stories, ratings, for ratings. It should be about the news and getting the information out to the people and nobody gave a fuck and everyone disliked her. And then Tom was like, no, that was great what you're saying. And he was just very honest about how, who he was. And then it turns out they're working. There was an attraction there. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And then they found out that they're working together. And then we see, uh, Aaron and Jane, they're like best friends. Yeah. They, they both work at the, uh, at the 
the station together. She's a producer. He's a reporter. And Tom is an anchorman. And uh, Aaron is in love with Jane. She doesn't have, like, they're just, to her, they're friends. They're still best friends. At one point, he professes his love. It's pretty obvious. They have a really weird relationship where they're, like, very honest and they communicate their feelings instantaneously and on the spot. Like I was like, people were people just better adults back then. Like they, everybody just communicated their feelings so well in this movie, like instantaneously. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, um, it's, I don't know. I don't know, but I think I know that it's, uh, not something that we see a lot. They are very emotionally, um, uh, forthcoming, which is, I guess, maybe that's a hallmark of James L. Brooks. I don't know. I know he tends to make these kinds of uh, like intelligent adult rom coms, but they are still very like much. Yeah, you know, I don't even. It's wild that this is even a rom com because like there are. Fun I know there's parts, not, but it's not even really that funny. It's pretty, but it's good. It's not. It doesn't hit the comedy or the romance that hard. Like it's pretty like true to life. Like yeah. I feel like it. No one has sex with life. each other in this yeah. movie. Like no, they none of. Anyway, so basically, there's this weird love triangle where Jane doesn't want it. Wishes that she wasn't attracted to Tom, but she is. And Tom is attracted to Jane, but she doesn't want him. And Aaron wants Jane, but Jane doesn't want Aaron. Jane. It's all weird, and there's all these different things that happen to where it's like, will they or won't they? Tom and Jane, and they never end up commencing whatever you know, uh, consummating the act. The, the, the closest they have to sex scene is that scene where uh, there's breaking news while everyone else is away. So um, Jane is like in Tom's ear as he's giving the um, as he's giving the update. Like Jack Nicholson has a cameo in this yes. movie. Oh, and the, Jack Nicholson and Joan Cusack is in this. And Joan thing? Cusack, which is the uh, which is the uh, oh, working that, girl. Dude, that that was funny. The initial scene where she has to run she has the tape. to run the tape to yeah. Dude, that was fucking. Hilarious. I love her little moment. Like after she does, she runs like uh, an obstacle course to get the tape in time so that they can enter it. So that when the anchors throw to it for her piece, it, it cues up. And then she's got that moment where she does it, and she's just sort of like, yeah. No, like, she sort of like has, like, a few moments. Like, Joan Cusack is uh, is wonderful in this movie. She's great. So good. So good. But, yeah, there's that scene where, where Jane is, uh, as his producer, she's in Tom's ear as Tom is, like, calling breaking news because Jack Nicholson is out in the field. He's somewhere else. And so it's, like, Tom's big break, and it leads to Tom, the uh, good-natured but not that uh, intelligent, as has been discussed, and not that like principled certainly not as much as like Aaron and Jane are um but he 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 calls a really good uh really good new you know they, they tell him like sit on the back of your shirt that's where I learned that too by the way if you're trying to the back keep your, your your suit not to yeah. rumple you sit on the back of your suit so that your shirt gets pulled up in all the right places yeah um but after after she coaxes coaxes him through it he's like that's better than Sex, right? Doesn't sex, he say something? Yeah. Or she's like, well. He was like, it was like he was almost as great as sex, or it felt like great sex. And it was like yeah. the energy between them two. Also, in the 80s, people just got really close to each other or something. Like, that was wild. They were like, it, it was just like, wow, the, there's some energy here. It was a different something. time. We don't even record kissing. our podcast in the same room. We don't get <laughs> um, So it's kind of like a will they or won't they. And then it's like, there's also about, you know, about the morality of, 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 news and Tom doesn't have the same morals as Jane. And it seems like that they're going to fall in love and go away together. And, uh, Tom had done this piece 
on date rape, which apparently people didn't know about in 1987. Uh, it was eye opening to people, um, but it was a very good piece and it was emotional. And at a point during the piece, you see him cry and they cut to him and, Aaron was like, I don't know why they had to cut to you. Mm-hmm. you know, like you're not the subject of the story. Mm-hmm. Nobody, you know, like we don't need to be seeing your emotions, your viewpoint. And um, he says that, and then later on, he's like, with that camera crew, was there was there two cameras, one camera? And then he realizes he, he tells them that there's only one camera, and he realizes, well, then how did you get that shot? And that it had to be fabricated. And uh, he Aaron who was very upset when Jane told him that he she was in love with Tom and he told her that he was the devil and they had this big argument and he saved it and didn't say it. And once he figured it out that Jane was really going to go with Tom, he finally told her. Yeah. And uh, she went and watched the footage and, and, and realized it and her her uh, conscience couldn't let her do it. She couldn't couldn't let her be with time I, I i yeah it, it's a kind of a, like you were saying it's a it's a hard movie to classify i would call it a rom-com but it's certainly not a rom-com in the same way that like how to lose a guy in 10 days is a rom-com right like it's not that yeah. interested i think it's honestly the thing that it's most interested in the movie is like the state of news in 1987 like that seems to be and then it's going to build a kind of it's going to give you some romantic subplots and some kind of funny moments like joan cusack running around the newsroom to kind of keep the movie entertaining but the i appreciate it most kind of as like a look about news i am not uh i took some journalism classes in high school and i think i took it a journalism elective so it's it's one thing for me to pound my chest about the state of news today because i don't know anything but i do i think these ideas that the movie deals with are easy to get behind right like you know this should be about the story we shouldn't be sensationalizing things we shouldn't be doing it for ratings it's not action news and um and so yeah that i think it's a testament to my and i've curious to think what you thought of the movie overall but like to me it's a testament to the movie working when you find out that they faked that or they went back and they captured that shot of tom and doesn't he say because just like you didn't rewatch paid in full i didn't rewatch uh <laughs> broadcast news it's, i've seen it in like a couple years ago most recently so we both are on bonus episode time we're not giving our 100 <laughs> we're a couple scrumple dunks right now but <laughs> but like doesn't he say that he was crying, but they didn't have it, so he needed to go back and, and, and get it again? Wasn't that his story? Or The story was, she was like, oh, your reaction, it was all, you were almost about to cry. You're, oh, that's right. So you were he didn't actually crying. cry, and yes. then he made himself cry. And the fact that that, what to most people, certainly in today's news landscape, but like the fact that that feels like a big drama within the movie, uh, to me... Is why Which the movie be works because they actually to, make yeah. it feel like I was like, oh man, Tom is a fucking scum because he like made himself cry, and uh, I guess that's also because how much our society has changed in the past like thirty four years since this movie came out. But I think it also speaks to how effectively the movie makes the stakes of the movie, the stakes for the characters, feel like stakes to us. And I appreciated yeah. that there is no happy ending. She doesn't get with either of them, and. Uh, you kind of don't want Jane, like Jane is the one we're rooting for, and like Aaron gets is, her, but she's not but attracted to Aaron, and that's what it is. And he's just 
mean. <laughs> yeah, and he's mean about it, and he's got a little bit of, like, we're talking about other ways that this movie kind of predicted the future. Aaron is... He has an inferiority complex. And he's like, a little bit yeah. of that, like, nice guy thing, you know, and, like, well, yeah. a woman's not interested in a guy and goes, oh, you don't like nice guys. You just want guys that'll treat you like shit. Like, that's Aaron in this movie a little bit. Yeah, as soon as she tells him that she, like, is in love with Tom, he he's like, get the fuck out of yeah. my house. Yeah. <laughs> It's like what? He's and then a he total nice like, thing. Okay, okay, sorry. I like and then he's like, "All right, come back. He's, come back." He's the guy who's friends with a woman because he expects eventually she's going to put out for yeah, him I'm and saying, come around yeah. to love him. It's like, if exactly. that's why you're doing it, then you don't deserve the love, man. That's Yeah, this isn't a real friendship, my guy. And so <laughs> I I appreciate that the movie even in 1987 before we kind of had I mean, I'm sure women have been onto these guys forever, but I don't think that was like an archetype that was talked about that much back then. Yeah. So the movie was kind of on that a little bit early. And then also I like that Tom is, there are no villains in this movie, I guess, but Tom is the the shady character, but he's also not a bad guy. Like he's not a, yeah. he's not really a dick. He just doesn't have the same scruples that the other two have. So you don't want him to succeed either, but it's not like he's like maniacally laughing and I have this master plan to bend news towards my will he's just trying to be successful like everybody else he just doesn't have the smarts to do it in the same way so like you don't want him to succeed but you're also not like he's evil like and that's how bad shit happens it's like nice charismatic people that don't do things the right way get promoted because they're good looking and cool and whatever it was wild how like all these characters had their flaws but like you didn't like hate any of them i mean i felt like you kind of maybe hated aaron a little bit if if anybody but Mm -hmm. You kind of understood their viewpoints and like where they were coming from. Yeah, I feel like Aaron so. was often right, and that was the problem. Is like as a romantic lead, you're like, nah, this guy's all wrong. But a lot of the things he was saying about, you know, he seemed to take the most principled stances. That I was like, yeah, I can get behind that. And he was like telling Holly Hunter when she's like being led astray. But yeah. Um. So how did you feel about Paid in Full watching it for the first time? I um. I, I I enjoyed it. I think I said like I I feel like I wished it was longer and I'm trying to think of when that first set in. I really like the beginning. I like the kind of uh the kind of mood setting, like how it kind of set the scene. There's a great like the first basically the first scene is our three main characters just having Chinese food and oh, arguing yeah, it's such stuff. a great fucking scene. Yeah, and they're all really good and they have good chemistry together. Um and I like Wood Harris, I think, uh, you know, I, I've well, seen the initial scene is they're all eating Chinese food mm-hmm. um, together. They all like just came from the club, mm-hmm. probably a little tipsy. They all got their big chains on. Life is good. And they start betting. They Somebody throws a napkin in the trash can, like balls it up, shoots it. And then they just start betting $10,000 per shot on who can get a napkin in the trash can. Yeah. And they just like start doubling down and it gets to like 40000 or like $50,000. Mm-hmm. And it's just like damn life is good and then well because you think they might just be you know they're they're eating chinese food in an apartment that's nice but not like high end and you're thinking like these are just three guys kind of um shooting the shit and then when uh when ace makes that shot rico's like you can't hit that shot again i give you five thousand dollars so you're like oh they're just talking big game but then he takes out a wad of bills and he puts it on the table and it's like a thick fat wad of what must be five thousand dollars in bills and so you're like, oh, okay, these guys are up to... Nobody has that much cash rubber banded yeah. in hand like that. So now you're like, all right, these guys are in the drug game. And I thought that was like a cool way to introduce that. Um, I like a lot of the uh, supporting characters. Regina Hall is in this movie. Uh, uh, yeah, she was great. Regina Hall is always good. Chi McBride plays Pip. I So there's another thing. He, he is the owner of the dry cleaner where uh, Ace works. There's yeah. just a certain point 
when Ace like gets too big, you never see Chi McBride again, and he seems like maybe uh, th- I don't, I don't have to say been... father figure, but a mentor figure, a a kind of stick on the right path. You know, don't um, don't fall off the line. And I kind of wish that we'd seen him again after uh, Ace leaves his shop, which was probably like thirty minutes into the movie. And I don't think, unless I missed it, I don't think we see him again. I think you see him like one. <sighs> Towards the end? Yeah, no, that when he gets fired, that's the last time you see him. Or when he, he also calls, and I guess it's 1986, but it's funny because he calls um, uh, Ace is listening to hip hop in the. And so I think there's this. If it's not the scene when he quits, it's the scene before. But he tells him, he goes, turn that shit off. Turn off this boopity boop shit. And that's like. <laughs> I was like, I guess that's probably what people call hip hop in the eighties, boopity boop shit. That's like more likely. Uh, I don't know. I don't that 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 stuck with me. But um, also, yeah. Kevin Carroll is Calvin. Yeah, dude, Kevin Carroll is Calvin, and I'm sure you know him from a lot of other different things. But I just finished recently in pandemic. I've been catching up on the TV that I've been behind. On. I just finished the leftovers and I recognize him from the leftovers, dude. Holy I, shit. 20 years later. So good. I need to go back and rewatch it, man. He's in seasons two and three. He's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. he plays John, I think is the name of his character in leftovers. And I had not really seen him in anything else. So when I see him with those big glasses with the gold rims and, uh, he's dating, he's dating Ace's sister in the beginning of the movie. I'm yeah. like, who is this guy? Why does this guy look familiar? And then it's like, it's that smile, man. I was like, "Oh shit, that's that's Kevin Carroll." What what else has he been in? Help me out, because I I should go see more Kevin Carroll movies. I don't know if you've seen the movie Blind Spotting. He's in that. He's really okay. good in that. He's in Snowfall. Uh, I think he's in the. He was in The Walking Dead. He was on The Walking Dead for a while. Oh, okay, okay, sure. Well, that's yeah. funny because uh, obviously Ace Wood Harris, who we've talked about a lot, was Avon Barksdale, and I do think this movie. Uh, no shots at this movie. Like any movie, any gangster movie suffers in comparison to The Wire because The Wire so painstakingly takes you through every layer of yeah. cr- criminality and, and, and cops and, and the union guys and all that. Everybody knows The Wire. But so to see him have like the kind of, it's interesting. When The Wire starts, Avon Barksdale is already the guy. So this is an yeah. interesting play. Like Wood Harris gets to play maybe you know i know he's not playing avon but like a younger version of Avon. how did he get his start you know like yeah he kinda, it's and like, so it's fun to watch him do the come up because you don't really see that in the wire he's already established and you only get to see the downfall and this movie takes all that and kind of puts it into 90 minutes and it's very tight um but i think those bona fides the fact that like wood harris just really good at playing these kinds of characters as well as other things but like we've seen him so play this character so well in the wire it was cool to watch this entirely focused on him because the wire shifts its perspectives all over. Exactly. And in, in this one, he's a little, he's a, a different character, but like kind of the same. He's a kinder character, mm-hmm. still very like well-calculated and smart. Both characters were like that, but you know, Avon was a lot more ruthless. Right. Than, uh, yeah. He's than ace was, he's a, Avon is a more hardened character. So, and then I guess, you know, gives a little bit of uh love to Mackay Pfeiffer too, who, Again, like, I feel God, like he was. Uh, is this the same year Eight Mile came out? I think it was like, no, no, no. I think Eight Mile. Uh, I feel like maybe, Eight Mile maybe came a couple like, years later. But anyway, I, um, before he was name checked in the Eminem song, like, Mackay Pfeiffer is just an incredibly charismatic uh, presence, too. 2002 it was a good year oh, for it. It was? Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, 2002. So I feel like, well, so this was Mackay Pfeiffer's year. Um, but no, I mean, like, he, I don't think he gets forgotten, but I think, like, I forgot. Or maybe I never realized what a like uh, 
charismatic presence he was in movies like this. You know, it was cool seeing like Mackay Pfeiffer because he is playing the more. I don't know. Like the movie didn't care that much about the morality of these guys or how they made their money, but there's that really good scene where, um, is it his uncle? But it's Mitch's. It's Ice, right? Uh, Ice. His. It's, 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 it's Mitch's uncle. Mitch's uncle is cozying up to Mitch's money mom. making Mitch. Money making money Mitch. Money making Mitch. And Mitch uh, is. Mitch sees him like basically shooting heroin in the bathroom, and Mitch's mom, uh, his his little brother still lives with his mom. Mitch is obviously out of the house, so he sees his uncle coming around, being a bad influence, getting his mom into drugs, and also doing drugs, shooting up in front of his his uh, his twelve year old. Uh, brother who we know later dies unfortunately but like and so he kicks ice out of the house he's like throwing him around he's roughing him up in the hallway and ice is like what do you care man i'm doing the drugs that you sold me and i thought (laughs) that was like an interesting like again if this movie had more time it would have been kind of cool to see if that like weighs on these guys because the movie's not that into the morality right like would never ace never gets a hard time from regina hall's character about why are you selling drugs and getting shot when i'm i'm literally having a baby the same day that you got shot like they don't they don't get a lot of flack from their significant others their mothers their girlfriends their their friends or whatever um and i felt like that moment was like a little taste of it and then it obviously comes back to bite mitch because ice is the one who orchestrates kidnapping his little brother so like it does come around but um yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess it's like I was in this movie. What kept me in this movie mostly was the performances, and particularly those two guys. I thought had a lot of good scenes together and yeah. separate. It was great casting on both those parts for sure. They both killed it. It just felt really well. It felt like a real friendship. Like it mm-hmm. felt like these these. I mean, obviously, it is a true story. You know, I, we don't know how much to the extent, but it just felt real, and it just felt like. Maybe they uh, they probably worked together on some stuff. There was just a rapport between the two, and they both just did really well at at acting at at both of the roles. That money making Mitch felt like a real person to me, and so when Rico, who everybody's so after, Ace gets shot, they, their plug gets killed. He only has a certain amount of, amount of kilos. Ace is trying to find the goes to his plug supplier, the plug to his dealer supplier, to make a new connection. And, you know, the game is slowing down. He's taking a break because he just got fucking shot and people were murdered in his apartment. And uh, Mitch, it's all about the timing. Mitch then, who I guess, you know, they're blowing money because they're expecting that they're going to keep making money hand over fist. And then when the supply dries up, this is the same time that Mitch's nephew gets kidnapped and he just needs money to, he's just trying to get this money so he can get his nephew back because he truly loves his nephew and uh, it's like probably the only person he seems to care about in the world. Wait, is it his nephew yeah. or his brother? I've been calling him his brother the whole time. I'm Damn, a- no, my bad. His brother. His brother. I said nephew. I meant his brother. It's all it's, good. It's, I, I might it's be Ice's wrong. nephew. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Ice's nephew. His brother, which makes sense. It's his brother. He loves him. And uh, he goes, and Rico being Rico is also just power hungry and is trying to make moves and trying to make money. Uh Mitch thinks he can get a deal. He has some keys and he can sell them. He gets a hold of a couple of keys from Ace and Rico finds out. And then Rico murders fucking Mitch because he wants the keys. I don't know why he, I don't understand why Rico did it and needed the keys so badly. Yeah. Like he just mur- uh, like that part really didn't make too much sense. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like there needs the to be more content. Like, so, so. cause, uh, Ace gets shot by, um, 
by Calvin. Kevin Carroll's character, who is named uh, Calvin. 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 So yeah. Ace gets shot by Calvin because he felt that he disrespected him and he wasn't putting him on enough once Ace became like the, the main game in town. And well, so, also Calvin was hella disrespectful to Ace before that, but that's for sure. reason why. For sure. Yeah. Um, but like, so that was their own drama. So it doesn't make sense, especially because Rico got revenge for that. Rico straight up shoots. Yeah. Uh, shoots him like a bunch of times in the car. (laughs) Um, And so Rico wasn't part of that. So then when Rico flips and shoots up uh, Mitch, I was like, so wait, was Rico like, is there like some conspiracy against these guys? I think Rico just only cares about Rico. Yeah, clearly. Like if, if, but like, was it a crime of opportunity? Like he found out about these keys or was he always playing? Oh, I think it was a crime of opportunity. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then so then Ace winds up like giving uh, Rico a false tip and getting him uh, into like a Fed sting where he. Gets oh yeah, those two Feds who kept gets, trying to sell him. Yeah, kilos. Yeah, the guys that were fishy yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so, not a happy ending exactly, but I did like the very ending of the film, which is like now we're on those same Harlem streets in 2002. Um, uh, uh, Ace is looking great. Obviously, it's been. 15 years, but his gunshots have healed so completely that you can't even see any uh, scar on his on his forehead. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing on his neck. But he's watching a music video <laughs> being filmed on the same streets that he used to run. And it's like guys, you know, it's 2002. It's supposed to be like present day, like guys throwing money in the air. And they've got like the yeah. big jackets and they've got like all the, the dances around them. And, and they're acting tough. And he's sort of like, oh, now, now on the same streets, people are basically like mean mugging they're pretending and like this used to be the actual so i kind of like the commentary in that um but yeah it it feels like we got there all uh, very quickly wood harris did a great job in narrating too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there was a little bit of like a a a sort of like a scorsese kind of uh goodfellas like ever since i could remember i wanted to be a gangster kind of narration to it that uh yeah really only in the beginning in the end right or maybe i'm thinking yeah yeah. the beginning and the end really I think there's some points where they like cut away and he's like, after he gets shot, I think he like narrates a little bit. Yeah. Be like, I'll be all right. Uh, (laughs) Maybe the the whole end of the movie takes place in his mind as he's bleeding out on the bed after he got shot. All right. um, But, um, so this movie was short. You went a little bit more. Um, there was a weird part about that kind of, I feel like dated the movie, your movie broadcast news was the shoulder pads and the jackets. (laughs) Well, no, that's expected. If this movie was made, I feel like any time after the in the two thousands and on, the movie would have ended after she got into the taxi at the airport. Mm-hmm. It would have just ended right there. Mm-hmm. But then they go seven years later and try to like give us this definitive end. Like I didn't like that. It wasn't necessary. It was weird. Yeah, it, I, remind me again how that goes. That. I know exactly what you're talking. So they the meet movie, at like a gazebo so or something, right? They meet at the yeah. They're they're uh, they're. Um, She's at the airport. She leaves. She tells the taxi, you know, go this way. Or, no, you go over the way you want. And then she's like, you know what? No, go that way. And then it cuts to seven years later. Tom's like talking about how he's taking over for Bill and he's got a new fiance who's going to be the, the managing editor or whatever. And Aaron's there to meet him with his kid. Well, it's like, why is Aaron there? Or I don't know. Yeah. And then he's living in Portland with his wife and his kid. And they go to meet uh jane who was just there to meet him and was supposed to have a picnic with the kid and she's talking about some guy she's dating and how she's taking this great job in new york and it's like and then it just ends and it was like well what the fuck was the point of that i think it was just like back then 
if you like made movies and you everybody had to know that there was what happened completely or like there's like it's a happy ending basically for everyone or something like he's getting married he's married with a kid she has a guy she likes but she still has a career and it was just weird it was a little yeah i feel like also like other movies would do the animal house thing where you just like freeze frame on the characters and be like you know yeah. Uh, Aaron is yeah, living like, in Portland with his wife exactly. and child, and they're doing yeah, whatever. That's basically what it was. Yeah, it was, just like, it was instead of like ne- uh, having the text tell you that they're actually just like having a last scene with them, and it's kind of unlikely that. I guess it's a good question. So here's a fun fact. Also, like uh, when I uh, first got out of college, I um, worked at CBS in new york uh the cbs building in hell's kitchen i was a bra i was a network page which is sort of like (laughs) kenneth the nbc page from 30 rock except much less glamorous i mean that job's not glamorous on 30 rock but like nbc pages are like regis philbin was an nbc page and then he worked for the network for 50 years cbs pages you like they keep you in the basement uh you're in a room with no (laughs) windows and then you like go and i was like being uh a, uh, I was like an usher for the Bethany Frankel show, which was filming out of the building at the time. Or like uh, 106 in Park used to film out of the CBS building. So we would just like basically be audience uh, wranglers. Anyway, um, eventually I got like put on a uh, like post. They gave me this post where I was like writing for this uh, part of this like crime news reporting section of the website. And that was right before I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. Need to go to LA and start a podcast with Leonard. But before all that, <laughs> I, I was working there, and uh, the head of news was uh, and is, I think, I think she's actually been promoted. It was Susan Zarinsky, who's like been at CBS forever. She's this super cool, accomplished uh, uh, producer who's been there forever, and um, she's super nice. Like I was like the lowest person on the totem pole, and like she knew my name. Like before I left, I remember she like had me in her office. We had like a one on one. We were talking about stuff. She was just a super lovely uh woman who like invited everybody to her her place on the upper west side for like a holiday party just super cool and then i come to find years later that like broadcast news is based on her like a holly hunter that character is based on susan zarinsky like i think james l brooks or whoever did like some research and like shadowed her to like find out it's not a true story about her uh holly hunter is still playing a a, a unique character it's not telling her life story but it's like based on a lot of susan zarinsky's experiences so i i maybe that's also why i've had like a a place for that movie but yeah it is weird to just end it like they're fine i did like that like tom is still kind of like sleezing his way up the ladder like he's now he's married to another producer who's going to help his yeah. career kind of thing like yeah none of the characters really changed that much um but yeah it was interesting um do you want to get into the stats for some of these movies Leonard? Yeah, let's uh, let's knock it out quick because we're running at fifty minutes. Oh man, we're, we gotta get yeah. going. This is a bonus episode. This is not a full length. I hear you. Uh, I don't know what it was made for, but Paid in Full only made three point one million dollars at the box office. Is that surprising to you? <laughs> not surprising. Um, there, the, I'm surprised uh, it even went into theaters. I'm surprised it wasn't just a made for DVD film. The the soundtrack peaked at number fifty three on the Billboard two hundred. <laughs> Uh, I can't find the budget for the movie, but I can find the box office three point one million. Broadcast news was made for fifteen million dollars, made sixty seven million dollars. So that's pretty oh, pretty uh, okay. for a movie with no nudity or action or gore. <laughs> that was pretty good, I feel like. <laughs> um, and uh, a bunch of Oscar nominations in broadcast news. Best picture, it didn't win any of them. Best picture, 
and also I think this helps in the best trio. All of um, all of William Hurt, Albert Brooks, and Holly Hunter were nominated for acting awards. None of them won, oh, nice. but uh, I think that speaks to the power of all three of their performances together. And I think for stats, that's mostly it. I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you the uh, IMDb for. I'm kind of surprised at this for the IMDb rating for Peyton Pool. It's 7.1. Mm-hmm. I saw that too, yeah. And then the Rotten Tomatoes is 53%. Rotten Tomatoes is always going to get you. I mean, that's just the... the. I guess I'll throw in the, the IMDb for broadcast news is 7.2. So audience scores come out pretty even for these movies. Uh, did you see... It's a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. I guess not that many people have watched it. It's crazy. 98%. Broadcast news? Yeah. I, I think it was a hit, but 98% is uh, that's some that's some across-the-board unanimous praise. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. What links these movies, Leonard? I think we have to talk about what links these movies. Let's not even let's not even pretend we can decide which is better. This is is this the strangest double feature we've ever done? I mean, we did. This is probably the strangest double feature we've ever done. We did Mamma Mia and with, Batman Forever. That was pretty weird. Yeah, but like weirdly, what was paired with um, Homeward Bound? <laughs> oh, Vegas Vacation, <laughs> that which was is also weird. a trio movie. That one Homeward was weird. Bound's a trio movie. Um, Vegas Vacation's a trio? Oh, Homeward Bound's a trio movie. Homeward Bound's a trio movie. Oh, what if I just gave you the second Homeward Bound? <laughs> oh, I would be... I wouldn't have watched it. I would not have watched it. Would have just fucking talked about it and acted like I watched it. I would have read this synopsis. I think we've Anyways. done movies that are just as far apart or like just as like weirdly they don't pair. But these movies specifically they don't like there's no they reason you would ever watch pay. these movies back to back they don't scratch the same Never. itch you wouldn't watch this movie in the same these two movies in the same month like. <laughs> except we did but <laughs> they're both set in the 80s too which is funny yeah like, um all right but they were both good i mean i liked broadcast news it was good yeah no complaints yeah no I, complaints i i i'm i like i liked uh i like paid in full i'm i'm i think we were both uh we both expanded our horizons watching these movies yes we did uh at some point maybe in season four you'll find a time to give me um Har- harlem nights Harlem Nights. but uh yeah. until that point i guess well, is there any bookkeeping we're, we'll, we'll be, probably be back for one other bonus episode we've got to do my punishment episode uh you don't have to watch anything leonard don't worry i just need Thank you God. to give me a time sometime in the yeah. next couple weeks where gotcha. we can talk about me having to watch The Fault in Our Stars. And I know that's not the extent of my punishment. I got to go back and listen to the episode. I think there's some sort of a t-shirt that I need to wear or some 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 social media profiles that I need to update calling myself a loser. But we'll yes. we'll make sure that we're clear on that. But we will probably be back. And then uh, hopefully next episode we'll have some news about maybe one to expect season four, uh, what we're thinking about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, how's your summer been? You've been enjoying your summer? <laughs> Yeah, it's been good, man. You know, quit one job, took a little vacation for like a month and went a bunch of places, did a bunch of things and then started this new job and it's cool. I'm liking it, you know, uh, doing a bunch of stand up. It's been great. I've just seen you, you know? taking shots at your job. So I don't know that you're actually <laughs> working. Every time you post on Instagram, your boss is giving you a shot. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking more shots to the head than uh, Wood Harris in this movie. <laughs> There it is. You're more effective by it. All right. Yeah. I was about to say. How's your summer been? It's been all right. It's been uh, it's been good, actually. I was home for uh, – so back in New Jersey for my, my buddy's bachelor party uh, a couple oh, weeks nice. ago. And I'm going to be back in New Jersey again for the wedding uh, in a few weeks uh, next month. So good, so man. The bachelor party wasn't too crazy. Yeah. Just trying to stay uh, – 
didn't ruin the marriage. No, 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 no. It wasn't my batch party, but uh, no. I'm it, talking, yeah, talking about good. his. Though. <laughs> oh, didn't ruin his life. marriage, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, hey, my bachelor party. Nobody wound up on broadcast news, and hopefully, Leonard, <laughs> with your new job, you get paid in full. <laughs> oh. oh I'm, I think that broke my. That's thing. why they pay it's, you the big bucks. It's refusing to continue recording this Zoom, so we should okay. probably go. Um, Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Scrunkle Dunk. Scrunkle Dunk? What is it? Scrunkle Dunk. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you on, uh, on the mean streets of Burbank. Until next time, see you at the cinema.